Amazing. Love, Jesus loves even me and even you. Galatians 5. We've been in Galatians also. One of the wonderful things about the summer is that we have a, continua, a continuum of uh, looking in, in some of the scriptures and we pick up the story again and because we do portions of it every week, we have the chance to linger and to uh, think of its truth, some of its background, and to learn more about it, and also to uh, explore the interpretations, the relevance, the meanings for our life and our walk of faith these days. And so we've been in Paul's letter to the Galatians. Uh, today, verse 5, or verse 1 of chapter 5, and then verses 13 through 25. If you have it open in front of you, you can follow along. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters, not only, and do not use your freedom in an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. Word of truth, word of life. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a familiar passage. We sing songs about the fruits of the Spirit, and, um, and we refer to it constantly, and for good reason, too. They are practical, practical benefits of, of walking with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And they are a very uh, pointed admonitions from the Apostle Paul. I can use things like that. 
So often the Apostle Paul is in a, in a realm of reflection and a, a realm of argument that uh, it's hard for me to, uh, uh, to track with and hard, to me, hard for me to straighten out and to see exactly what he meant in, in his time or even what he might need in, in my time. But this is pretty straightforward. Don't do these things. And there's a list there of things that, uh, that ought to be checked off and, uh, and obliterated from our lives or warned if we're tempted to any of these activities. And then by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit are those nine values, those nine practices, those nine ways of living. It's interesting that Paul uses the image of fruit fruit of the Spirit. He hasn't really been talking about agrarian images in Galatians so far. Jesus used those, didn't he? He talked about the sower going forth to, uh, to sow his seed. He talked about the little mustard seed that grows into a huge tree that birds can, can roost upon. He talked about wheat being separated from the tares. He talked about laborers going out into the field because it was white for harvest. But Paul, not so much, except here. That gets my attention, and, um, and I stick with it because I love fruit. Don't you? Apples and bananas, this is a wonderful time of the year. I'll eat cherries until I'm sick, and then, <laughs> then I'll eat some more because they just taste so great. All these things that come to us in July and August, September, it's really a fruity time of the year. Why would Paul use that image of fruit except for us to think about the goodness and the sweetness of fruit and also to think about the cultivation of fruit? Sometimes we might be tempted to think about uh, qualities and um, gifts of the Spirit as, as something that is kind of zapped into us or, or maybe in our world an app that we download. Oh, we need those nine things. There must be an app for that. Let's go to the Apple store and get an app. Uh, I want some love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, this one comes with a coupon for a candy bar. I'll do this one. And you get those nine installed in your iPhone, and then you're all set, right? When I need those things, when I, oh, I need some more patience. I, my car just died in the intersection, and Cars all around me are honking and honking, and I need some patience. Oh, here's some patience. So I can get out of my car and go to the car behind me and say, Say, my, my car, you just won't start. If you want to go and try, I'll sit in your car and honk your horn for you, okay? Is that all right? <laughs> a bit of patience there. Hey, the app paid off. I'm sure that built a relationship with that fellow. That's not exactly what Paul means when he talks about fruit. Cultivating fruit means that, uh, means that there are some things that have to be done. The, the farmer, the orchard person needs to do something that would help that fruit happen. And so it is with us. There is a part that we need to pray as, play as we, uh, as we learn these things. As we go for the by contrast collection of things. There is uh, something that, uh, that we need to receive and something that we need to practice as we start to build the kind of character that the Holy Spirit of God wants to create in us. They're not just qualities that are automatically installed in us. 
as we follow the Lord Jesus. Remember the movie uh, Evan Almighty? It was kind of a spin-off of Bruce the Almighty uh, that came, came earlier. Evan Almighty was about Evan Baxter, who, uh, who uh, was a newly elected Congress, Congress person. And then he starts hearing messages from God to, to build an ark. And he had kind of a conversation with God with his voice that said, build an ark. And uh, they're in his suburban neighborhood. And so uh, he was willing to, uh, to follow that voice. He felt a conviction in his, his heart. It was persistent. It resonated with, uh, with who he was and, and the, uh, his longings after, after God as, as the movie portrayed that. And he started building an ark. Well, his, his wife was kind of confused. Her name was Joan, I think, and, and they had kids. They were in a nice suburban house and having a good life, looking forward to, uh, uh, to Evan's life as a, as a congressman. And, uh, and, and she was so upset and confused, didn't seem to be able to uh, communicate with, with her husband so she said, I, I just need to take some time off. I need to leave for a while. And so she packed up the kids and she, uh, and, and she went on a trip. And pretty soon they stopped at a restaurant. And, uh, and while they were sitting in a booth, uh, the, the kids ran off to do something. And a waiter came up to, uh, uh, to serve, uh, serve the family, or just Joan, who was in the booth at that time. His name, his name say, uh, main tag said, Almighty. It was Morgan Freeman. He, it was God. It was God, Almighty, that came to, uh, to serve Joan. So she, he was asking what she might like to drink or, or to eat. And then he said, you seem a little upset. And, and so, bit by bit, she opened up a bit of her, her story. And uh, Almighty uh, said to Joan, do you think that if you prayed to God for patience, that A, that he would install patience in you immediately, just like that, as a, as a resource in yourself? Or B, do you think that he might lead you into situations where you might be able to practice patience. And she thought for like 10 seconds and said, well, B, B. That's probably how God would work. Then Almighty said, if, if you or someone prayed for a closer relationships in your family, a deepening of, of oneness, of memorable experiences. Do you think would, God would install that in a, in a moment of an awesome experience and you would have that? Or do you think that God might give you a situation in which you might invest yourself, in which you might work it out together to have, <clears throat> to have a closer relationship as a family? And Joan said, well, be, be. It was a moment of illumination for, for Joan. It was a turning point in her relationship with her husband and, a, and really kind of an insight for her and maybe for us too that God, 
comes to us and offers us situations in which we might practice the fruits of the Spirit. Our willingness is a start. God's gift to us and Paul's insights about really this is the main law that you need to that you need to follow. The one that Jesus answered when the Pharisee approached him. What is the greatest law? And Jesus said to love Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And he said, and your neighbor as yourself. The Pharisee only asked for one. Jesus gave him two. Or is it one? Is it two aspects of the same thing? That we love God when we love our neighbor as ourself. When we love our neighbor as ourself, we love God. Two facets of a single divine truth. A chance to love God when we are given situations in which we can practice love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. Paul's declaration for freedom you have been set free is not about being set free from slavery, but it's being set free from serving other things, lesser things. From devoting your innermost self, your heart, your body, soul, strength to the love of God. David Brooks uh, wrote a book last year, uh, The Road to Character. Road to Character, and in the first chapter he he talked about a shift in our society. He talked about a shift from uh, from uh, humility and in, in building character and in kind of an outward focus to uh, to a shift built into the individualism in our our beloved United States of America um, that uh, is much more me focused, and it's been striking. David Brooks found in his research how, how that's happened in the last couple decades. He gave some examples. He, he talked about the elder George Bush, that when he, he would look at speeches that his speechwriters had, uh, had, uh, had written for him, that he would cross out all the sentences that began with I, and he would reframe them so that he wouldn't say I, I did this, I want to do that. I am like this. I think that he would cross those out. His staff said, you're the president and you're running for president and you, you need to talk like that. Well, he shrugged that off a little bit and in the end he crossed him out again. He was a part of that generation and, and he was, it was an example of of an outlook that was not me-centered, not so ingrained in us and everything, but it was, it was an outlook that built a character of living for others, of practicing things that would build up life around and would make meaningful contributions to the world and to society. How much more how much more is we as people of faith called to do that? Called to die to self, <clears throat> die to selfishness, die to flesh, which really means self-indulgence, 
die not only to those obvious uh, destructive behaviors that Paul listed, but also our own attitudes and our own perspective, our own character as we seek to bless God, worship God, glorify God, and to grow in the things of God. David Brooks talked about a, a practice that he uncovered in some of his research, and it was a practice of self-confrontation. Or the one person that he, that he studied uh, had the habit of, of taking stock of, of, uh, of their lives at the end of a day or a certain time in a week that, uh, uh, that would say, how am I doing? How am I doing in those values that, uh, that are important to me or for a person of faith that, that are God-invited, God-provided? Or with our text today, how am I doing in the cultivation of those fruits of the Spirit? They're very specific, aren't they? And they're fruits that we have an opportunity to, to cultivate with our decisions and with our follow-through, and also with our self-confrontation. How am I doing? How are you doing? I'm so glad that Jesus loves me, that Jesus loves you. And part of his love is that he would live in a fullness of life, an abundance of life, which includes our character, which is full of the fruits of the Spirit. We're so glad that Diana Nelson is with us. She's going to talk a little bit about one of the uh, ways that we uh, take care of our neighbors and love our neighbors uh, through the Schomburg Food Pantry. Welcome, Diana. Um, we'll hear uh, what you have to say right now. Welcome. I don't really know how to follow Pastor Dan and Maya's singing and all that. It's, it's not what I do at all. Well, good morning. I'm thrilled to be here. My name is Diana Nelson. I am the supervisor at Schomburg Township's Food Pantry. The pantry is housed in the General Assistance Department at the Township. We're a welfare services department, but the most visible of all our programs is the pantry. Residents of Schaumburg Township, which include parts of Schaumburg, Hoffman Estates, Hanover Park, Elk Grove Village, Roselle, Rolling Meadows, and Streamwood, are welcome to use our food pantry once a month. The pantry is a self-select pantry, so clients get to come in and fill two bags of groceries to satisfy their household needs. We do this to give clients dignity, to make sure that they feel that they are like the rest of us. The food pantry serves between 600 and 700 households each month. This means between 1,400 and 2,000 people in our community are in need of food assistance every month. We help individuals and families. Our clients are a diversified population across every ethnic group, ranging in age from seniors to infants. One third of the clients we assist are children. Many people seeking food assistance are employed, supporting a family, furthering their education, and or struggling with health issues. 
These individuals are often faced with making difficult decisions between paying bills and purchasing food. Our pantry is 100% donation-based, filled with donations received from the community. Your support helps keep our shelves full and stacked. The upcoming collection and the collections that you guys have been doing um, are invaluable during the summer months when our shelves tend to get low. During the holidays, often people remember us, but throughout the rest of the year, <clears throat> it's not always that way. So in the summer, shelves seem to look a little more bare. <clears throat> Shelf-stable items are a staple in all food pantries, and fresh items are often a luxury. For those struggling with hunger, produce is often too expensive. Without nutritious fruits and vegetables, a person's health can suffer. Your garden club has provided healthy produce for us year after year, and we are grateful. This continued support is greatly appreciated. We are thankful to your congregation. Without donors like you, we would not be able to help so many. That is all, so thank you guys so much for what you do. <clears throat> this is awesome here. Dave, you probably know this is our 50th anniversary as a church, so month by month we're collecting different things. My favorite was the tomato month. Uh, I was drooling up here all through that month because I love spaghetti sauce and all those things. Mike Rizwinski is, uh, is going to say a few more words about uh, what's coming up in addition to our monthly gatherings, uh, but uh, a summer project that enters its next year, third year, is that? Third year, I think. Welcome, Mike. All right, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Great. All right, thank you, Diana. That was a very uh, nice overview of what the uh, food pantry brings. So, as yes, we have a good history with the, uh, the food pantry, with all that we've done. Um, with the with the shopping cart out there, uh, the 50 for 50 uh, program that we've got this year. Um, we also have the one ton garden, which is producing what about 2,000 pounds every year. So, averaging about that, so about at least 10,000 pounds, we figure that it's provided of fresh food to the to the food pantry. And we'll also do the neighborhood food drive, which uh, I'm here to um, announce that we'll be doing that again this year. So last year, how, how many of you guys remember the, the amount of bags that we had in the, in the narthex? So that was, that was 200 and, a little over 250 bags. And uh, what happened this year was we took a picture of that last year. And the, the bags were donated last year by, to Trader, by Trader Joe's to us. And last year, Steve had to work really hard. He had to like go to all these different Trader Joe's to try to get the bags. This year, he went to them with a picture of all of the bags that we had in the, in the Narthex. And they're like, wow, all right, how can we help you? So they gave him 1,500 bags. <laughs> <laughs> So 
So uh, this year the, the, we are going to be doing, so again, the way it works is we go on one Saturday, we drop off the, all the bags in the neighborhood, and then the next Saturday we pick them up. So Saturday, July 16th will be the day that we drop them off, and then Sunday, uh, or Saturday, July 23rd is the Saturday that we'll pick them up. So I'll, there'll be more communications on our website and Facebook and then inserts. But we are trying to get a goal here. So our goal this year, now that we've got all these bags, is to collect 500 bags. So we're going to really be putting that out on the sign, and we're going to really communicate that to the community, that we hope to get 500 bags this year and really just have some fun because try to get a big, big goal there. So that's really what I just want to give everybody an, an update with. So thanks. Who's ready for the end of the sermon? <laughs> Wait, I got some more things. No. Jean, uh, tell us about another mission update, another opportunity to love our neighbors. If I'd known I was going to be preaching, I would warm my breasts off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many of you are aware, but today is World Refugee Sunday. And we've all seen the images on the news of overloaded, capsized boats carrying refugees, of a man holding a child who had drowned in the, in the Mediterranean, walking life jackets strewn across the beaches in Greece. Um, the statistics are staggering. The UN estimates that there are 20.2 million refugees living outside their uh, home countries, that most wait 17 years in a refugee camp to be resettled, um, that they go through a vetting process to enter the United States, which is at least 18 months long. And about 2,500 uh, refugees settle in the Chicago area every year. The Bible exhorts us um, in Matthew, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. So what's our response at the Covenant Church of Schomburg? Women Ministries is partnering with Exodus World Service to build a Welcome to America pack. Now some of you may recall that we have done this before, three or four times. And what we do is we collect all the um, basic household items needed for the bedroom, the bathroom, and the kitchen, a few food staples, and we can actually we actually have the opportunity to go and meet the refugee family at the airport and welcome them to the United States because when they arrive here many come with only a backpack and a few things, few articles of clothing. They don't know the language, they don't know the neighborhood. And it's a lonely and a very fearful experience. This is how we're going to do this. Some of you already are sporting your star. And I'm so proud of you. This is the United States. Right? All right, thank you. Um, all these stars represent items that we need for the package. Things like a set of sheets, a blanket, a shower curtain, a broom, some pots and pans, 
potatoes and onions, aluminum foil and a fan. So you see they're not like hard things. Some of them you might already have at your house. A first aid kit, some silverware. They, the things that we're collecting. So if you decide, hey, I want to bring a blanket, you're going to pull a star off this little sheet. On the back is a number. And the table in the narthex is a sign-up sheet, kind of like we do for Angel Tree. So you're going to sign your name by that number and um, bring in that item. We're hoping to collect them uh, in the next month, in the month of July, and get them out to um, Exodus World Service through August. I will be back there if you have questions. Um, obviously, a few things here are, are perishable, so please don't bring your potatoes and your onions until we're ready to go and we have a family because we don't want them sprouting in the narthex. But um, I will be out there to answer questions, and Women Ministries invites you to participate in this and also Feed My Starving Children, July 13th. We have 15 slots. There's a sign-up on the Women Ministries board. So if you want to do that thing, or both, or all of them, it's great. <laughs> Thanks.